so delighted to be joined by uh, Ray Canellan. Uh, Ray, it's been a tough old year, I suppose, for everyone, um, not just in Ireland, across the world. Uh, how have you found it? Yeah, I suppose kind of the same as everyone else, um, trying to keep myself as busy as possible and I suppose trying to just, yeah, keep occupied is the, is the main thing. I think um, the first lockdown during the summer wasn't really too bad with the good weather, but I think this year, um, at the start of 2021, it's a little bit tougher to try and, I suppose, stay motivated that we're going to, I suppose, see the end of this. Yeah, I mean, from a, from a sporting side, it probably wasn't too bad because at least we did get a club championship and we did get the inter-county season as well. Yeah, it was great. I actually really enjoyed getting back in with the club. Um, having been away for so long, not really getting a proper club season, it was nice to have uh, a decent portion of the year kind of um, closed off just for the club, which was which was really enjoyable. Um, and I suppose the best thing about playing county football was that when the club finished, we still had something to do and something to train for. And it was nice that we got to got to get a run out in the championship as well, um, albeit just just the one game, but. It was um it was still nice I suppose for for the six or eight weeks leading into it um a lot of my mates were at home with nothing to do and I was still able to go training three times a week and, and play matches so um it was a it was a silver lining definitely it was pretty boring and a bit of a miserable year but um no it was it was good to have good to have sports kind of distract me yeah because the club championship it seemed like a lot of people thought it was one of the best um. In many years, because I suppose all the players were together the whole time, there was no distraction with the intercounty. Everyone knew that was starting, but in October, so would you be in favour of I suppose the split season being talked about a lot? That the club gets that, we'll say, half the year in the intercounty as the other half. Yeah, yeah, it's, I think it's something I'd really enjoy. Um, as a county player, you kind of you're lucky; you do get the you're getting the best of both where you get to go play county and then come back playing club. But I suppose for the guys who are only playing club, um, they definitely feel like they're playing, you know, second fiddle to the county players. And, um, they're playing off someone else's schedule in a way. So the fact that this year kind of showed that you can have a split season is great. And, um, I love I love playing my club because they're obviously the mates that you have uh, grown up. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, definitely, I definitely prefer if we, if we got more time to play a club. Um, you know, I think if it came down to a choice of, one of them had to go, say, if it was to do with COVID, and, you know, one of them had to go. I think I'd nearly prefer just playing club football. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was good. It was good to see that you could do the split season. And, and it, I think a lot of the lads, um, both county and club players, really enjoyed it. Yeah, because you can even see nowadays that, um, you know, the club's training, it's not at the inter-county standard, obviously, or, or level, but it, it's becoming more high level and more trainings, gym, more gym work being put in. And the club championship is uh, thriving because of that as well. Yeah, I think a lot of the club players now you're starting to see them kind of train in line with what inter-county players train with. Um, I suppose there's a there's a bit of a kind of a drip down of professionalism from I suppose uh, how far sports are advancing now these days in in Ireland and and it drips in from rugby and soccer and from maybe I suppose from the AFL connection too with Gaelic football that guys are kind of I suppose seeing the the, the benefits in, in looking after yourself off the field in terms of kind of gym and strength and conditioning. Um, I think then that the, the county scene is kind of dripping in bits of, I suppose, wisdom into training and with the club scene as well. So guys are bringing back in new drills and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, no, I definitely think that the, the average kind of club player now is kind of more kind of finely tuned athlete and a better footballer than what we would have seen before. And it's, it's a benefit to kind of everyone because the standard just keeps getting better and better. 
Yeah, we'll move on to Westmeath. Um, I mean, you came into Japan probably young enough as well, but I mean, there's one game that um, I always remember with Westmeath, and it was the last day, it was that, that Mead semi-final in Crow Park, was it 2015? Mm-hmm. Um, like, probably the rivalry, is it, is it that big? Because I, I know Westmeath haven't beaten, was that the first time in Championship that you've beaten Mead? Yeah, that was the first first time ever that we've beaten Leeds yeah. in Championship. Um, I couldn't tell you how many games there's been. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was the first time in our history that we've beaten them in a Championship game. So the rivalry, I suppose, has kind of dwindled a little bit over the years. It's just maybe as a result of one or the other teams not being competitive at the same time. Um, but I still think when it comes down to a game day, um, you do notice a difference when you're playing me, particularly on a big day like Cup and Crow Park in the Leicester semi-final. Um, the older heads around the county, um, the supporters that would have kind of, you know, you'd be in their 40s, 50s and 60s now would really kind of, you'd, you'd hear them jeering up an awful lot more than, than what they might be for just a, another another Leinster game. Um, so yeah, to go out on that day and I suppose to perform the way we did in the first half, which was so poor. And then, um, you know, it was chalk and cheese, we came out in the second half and we blitzed them and it was, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a special day. I think, I think a lot of the guys would kind of have that down as one of their the best memories in the Westmead jersey. Yeah, because you said there, like when you were, I don't know, was it was a 10-11 down in that first half, like you're probably thinking, oh, here we go again. And you, you might get, I don't know, backlash or anything, but you'd probably, you'd be disappointing yourselves that you haven't put up um, a performance. But what was actually said at half time was it just to go at them? Because it seemed like even Keir Martin was wearing number six that day, I think, and he had scored 2-3. It was just like he kept going at them in that second half. Yeah, well, I think... Um... I think a lot of it, we changed, we changed around, I suppose, roles a little bit. Kieran was playing centre-back. Um, and, you know, like Kieran's probably more natural forward. Like, he wouldn't really be a, a centre-back as such. Um, I suppose we were trying to use him as more of an attacking option from centre-back. Um, and I feel that may have just left us a small bit open in the middle. Um, and I think me using their pace, where, like, they've got the um, two brothers there, the Wallace brothers, who were just so quick. Um and they, they were able to just kind of counter holes that we, we weren't filling and, and they racked up a pretty decent score. So we made a few changes. We put Kieran in um, into the full forward line where he's like just massively dangerous. He's such a big, strong man that if he gets a ball with 21 yards out, he's, he, he beats his first man so easily that he then opens up um, space for everyone else. So he was able to rattle off kind of two or three goals there in the second half, I think. And, um, yeah, we just—I suppose—we just kind of realised that we have nothing to lose going out in the second half. That was—that was the big thing that was said. Um, there's, there's absolutely no reason that we shouldn't just throw the shackles off and go at them. Like, what, what's what's the harm in losing by twenty points? Like, if we go out here and we don't give it a goal, we regret it. So, I think that was the kind of chat in the second half. I think when you're in that position, you can afford to just kind of like throw the shackles off and be like, right, lads, let's let's have a real crack at this and see see where it takes us. And then it's. I suppose as the scores started coming, momentum started growing, um, the crowd started filling into the stadium, I suppose, for the next game as well. So the energy was kind of going with us. Um, and once that starts happening, if, from a me perspective, it's extremely difficult to stop a team when they're getting that momentum and getting that boost. Um, I think we just built off it. Every score that went over, uh, we were cheering, we were getting getting each other going. And the more the energy built, the kind of, I suppose, the better we got. And, um, yeah, we ended up seeing it out by maybe four points in the end. So, um, yeah, it was, it was brilliant and kind of a good, a good way of showing that you can just kind of put the head down and, and turn the game on its head in half an hour. Yeah, because it was a typical championship match and even the atmosphere. It's probably that pure 
adrenaline rush towards the end. You hear the, the crowd and you see these scores going over it. And you know, you know probably that you knew they had, you had me best nearly because they just weren't coming back at you. Yeah, there was, um, there was one or two kind of close calls. They kind of went in on goal and got close to going in on goal a couple of times. I remember for our last, for our last goal, they broke down the, um, they were coming down the right-hand side of the field and we had three men back and um, Jamie Ganu turned it over, popped to me, I think it was the one-two with Paddy Holloway and it ended up getting up to, to, Hess, to John Heslin and um, like you're kind of just thinking, put it over the bar, put it over the bar, like just see it out and like typical Hess, like he just, like he went straight for the goal and once once that went in, like we were just, yeah, this is, we've done this, like we've managed to pull it back, so. That's definitely it's one that lives with me, and I think it's one that lives with all the boys as well. Like we're all, um, we all remember that one big time. Yeah, so you get the buzz of that, and then obviously a Leinster final is a, is a huge occasion, but it's against the all-conquering Dublin. Like, how do you? I mean, you played Dublin a few times now, back-to-back Leinster finals. Like, how do you approach that? Yeah, I've been asked this question like an awful lot. It's probably one of the more common questions you get asked, like as a as a Leinster, like another footballer and Leinster outside of Dublin um, at the minute they're so far ahead there's not really much you can do um, it's a little bit of kind of damage limitation in terms of you don't want them getting a run on you too early um, yeah. because it can it can turn into a, a route and if they do that like it, you can end up with a cricket score, cricket score I think we've seen that before like I think I remember my brother playing against Dublin one year. I think they were about like 28 points or something. And one of the years I was away, it was something similar. Um, so for us, it's more a case of trying to keep things tight. Um, don't see too much too early and just give yourself a position where you're within touching distance coming into the last 15 minutes. Um, which is, I suppose, it's a bit it's a bit sad. It's a bit annoying that that's kind of the, the case. But it just is like it's, it's just the way things are. Um, and then, yeah, I suppose for, for players, you just you just know that you're going up against um, probably the, the best player in in the position in, in the country. Um, so you really just want to show what you're capable of and you want to see if you can mix it with the best teams in the country. Because I suppose with the way the championship format is at the minute, um, oftentimes it can be, you know, one and done and then maybe a qualifier game. So you don't often get the chance to be on the big stage against the best team. So you need to kind of like live for that moment and really try and seize it and just, uh, I suppose, make the most of the opportunity. So that's what a lot of guys do. They'll go out there to try and beat their man um, and just, I suppose, show that they're they're at a, a level where they can compete with um, what's thought to be one of the best teams of all time. Um, but at the minute, they're, they're so far ahead that the result is kind of, it's almost inevitable before the game starts, which is a, I know it could be frowned upon saying as a, as a player who will end up playing against them again, but that, that's just the way things are at the minute. Yeah, and probably the problem is that Dublin can win any sort of game. They can, if you want to go toe-to-toe with them, they'll go that way. And if you want to put about 14 men behind the ball, they'll, they'll, they'll be patient, they have the experience. And they, they nearly enjoy that at times as well, just nearly passing it back to side-side, waiting for the, the perfect moment. And, and that is the problem probably with them. Yeah, well, they've just they've been so long together. Um, such a coaching regime that they really they've, they've got plays they've got set pieces and they've got plans to combat whatever kind of opposition things to throw at them there's nothing that an opposition will do now that Dublin haven't faced multiple times before um, 
Dublin, Dublin is as guilty as anyone is putting men behind the ball, you know, they're, but they're very efficient at them breaking and counter-attack. Um, they're also so good at when they do have to slow the ball down, they've got little set plays where they'll move the ball over and back and they will use the full width of the field and they'll slowly start bringing opposition players from, I suppose, the centre of the ground. You'll see the gaps opening up and the defence kind of starting to spread. And then they've got a, a line of maybe six or seven runners um, you've got your Fenton, McCarthy, Smalls, um, Kieran Kilkenny, Bulgler, like these guys now, Con, they loop around, they come out, and then all of a sudden they're punching holes through. And, you know, it's something that's very, very, you know what's coming, but it's just very hard to defend against because they move so well and so efficiently. So they've, um, they've a few set plays that, you'll, um, that you'd see if you were to analyse their games. Where, you know, they're, they're very good. It's almost like basketball style, the way they play. They come and they set screens to free men up. and. Um, it's it's very clever and it's very difficult to play against. Um, and it's just it's just down to years of being together and years of being coached at a, an extremely high level, you know. So um, I suppose it's the benefits of having a manager that stays on the one side for so long. You know, it, it allows these things to grow. So it, um, yeah, it's it's difficult to play against. It can be quite frustrating at times. Yeah, I mean there has been a lot of talk about the Leinster Championship and. People throw back the Tipperary and Cavan won provincial titles this year, although it is rare that just happened on the same day. Because if you look at the last decade, you could probably only say Monaghan and Roscommon were the only half shocks that happened in uh, with provincial wins. Like, what what do you want to see happen? Well, what happened in like Ulster and I suppose even like down Munster with Cork and Kerry, and like that that will not happen in Leinster for the next ten years. Mm-hmm. You can you can write off the Leinster Championship as a competition for the next at least you know it's five years definitely ten years ten years sorry at the outset um, and we're starting to see that happen with the All Ireland as well um, it's it's been a thing I suppose uh, my brother has uh, he started with an open letter after the Mead game um, the Mead the Dublin game but I suppose as a concerned kind of GA fan, he just addressed the issue of, of funding and how it was leaving Leinster Championship in a state of, I suppose, disrepair. And it was about turning the All Ireland into the same. Um, I personally would prefer to see the championship um, turn into more of a league format. Um, I think the league is the best competition at the minute. And I think there are. Um, there are motions being put in place that will have to go to Congress around what the championship is going to look like this year, I believe. And one of the options is championship as a league format. And I've looked at the, the fixtures and how it would work out. Um, there's nearly, I think there's over a 500% increase in number of games that every team is going to play. And you're going to be playing against oppositions of a more even number as yourself. Whereas those mismatches between, um, you'd like to say the likes of ourselves and Offaly, Leach or whoever in Dublin, meeting in Leinster, like if you get done in the first round of Leinster, you can pretty much write off your inter-county season. So I would prefer to see uh, a, re, a re-jig of the structure in terms of, and we can turn our championship into a, a league format. Um, it might it might affect the, I suppose, the provincials in terms of the um, the substance that they carry. And I just think for, for in terms of competition and in terms of creating games, that would be. Some guys are only want to play two games a year in championship. And I mean, if you look at the, the talent that ends up getting wasted there, it's, it's it's quite frustrating to see. Like you've got 
um, players and counties, such as like Emlyn Mulligan from like Trump, um, who'd be walking to any team in the country on his day um, when he was playing. And how many days did we really get to see him show his worth? And there's countless other examples of guys like that who are just endlessly talented because of the way our championship season is structured. We never get to do it at stage, really, um, which is a bit of a shame. And I suppose in terms of Leinster, then, we just have a massive problem. Which one, one team has been one team has been designed to win um, over a number of years. Um, the, the, thing I, the thing I don't like to, before I say this, this isn't like an anti doping thing. This is this is not a, a, a doping fashion uh, commentary or uh, narrative. This is a problem that Dublin had, where Gaelic football was dying in the capital, and like they should, they reinvested and remodeled the structures in Dublin so that Gaelic football could grow where it needed to, and it needed to grow in the capital. It's the, it's the most populous area in the country. So without football there, GA is at risk of kind of dying everywhere else. So that's grand, you know, you fund, you fund Dublin and you really grow the game and you turn it into almost a professional sport at county level. And then you get hundreds of thousands of kids playing all across Dublin and you get games development officers and player officers coming into clubs as full-time, um, in full-time employment to do this. So the game is naturally going to grow and it's shown like it's a perfect template of what happens when you invest properly in something that's already there. And I would like to see the same urgency be placed on every other county around Leinster and countrywide because we've seen it works in Dublin. We have Dublin now as the example of this works. So why not invest urgently in this? And we've seen comments made by the new Leinster chairman's recently Patty about how I think along the lines of it's kind of up to everyone else to work harder and catch up. And as far as I'm concerned, that's just it's just, it's just words like it, it means nothing because you think that every other county isn't trying or isn't trying to catch up with the So he's, he has an example for him, and that is really, really aggressive and bring that same template and bring it to the other counties uh, to some extent because at the minute we don't really answer and we're very, very quickly running out of competition. Yeah, is it even probably the game, as you mentioned there, it's probably the games issues as well in the summer, because you said there most counties will only get two games and they're playing the bulk of their games at the start of the year. I mean, they brought in the Super Ace, but again, that only, that only strengthens the, the likes of the Dublin. If, if say, Roscommon comes up against the Dublin uh, in a knockout quarterfinal, you never know, but realistically, Dublin are not, are not going to get knocked out of a, of a group of four. No, yeah, that's, that was just what it's the better teams got more games, which is kind of you know, not what not what we need as smaller teams. Um, and yeah, the, num- the number of games I think like Gaelic football is one of the worst sports in terms of like your games, the training ratios. Like you, you train a hundred times a year, you might play five games, you know. And it's the same at club level. Club players, they did be fed up with that too. Um, excuse me. So yeah, no, I think I think the number of games, the fact that this new format Congress that we need to be. Uh, the championship as a, as a league format, you'll notice the number of games like obviously increase. And what happens then is teams benefit more. The lower level teams have actually got a chance to improve because if you look at the, the leagues this year and how you know how, how good they were 
in terms of like you know division two was so competitive every game was a crack yeah. um so if you have your championship based off those standings where you've got division two teams going head to head every weekend to qualify into an all-earning competition and you know you've got the same thing happening for division three and four um you're, you're only going to see teams improve because they will be able to go out on a Saturday and play a game or a Sunday. They'll come back into town on Tuesday or Wednesday evening and review that game. And then whatever they review, they can work on then Thursday before going into a game on the Saturday, Sunday again. And that's the way all professional sports work. You know, you've got you've got such a set routine. Um, it, it allows guys to kind of, I suppose, get into a rhythm of games and training and learning from mistakes and learning from positives. So, it's it's the way it's the way professional sport works, and with the level GA has gone to now, I don't understand why it's not kind of what we're looking at now. Because aside from everything else, then in terms of how teams will benefit, it also gives individuals a chance to plan their year better. And I suppose you've got guys with kids, you've got guys who want to go on holidays and all this type of stuff. Not a set year. You've got you know ten games in a row for ten games in twelve weeks or thirteen weeks. You know. Um, People will talk about burnout, but you won't notice a lot more difference between the amount of guys are training. You know, like if guys are training three days a week to play, and they might only train twice in a weekend to play mass at the weekend. Um, it kind of it'll balance out, and you don't really have to worry about guys getting burnt out really or anything like that because training alone will come down, and match intensity goes up, and it kind of just balance out them um, in the middle. So, I, I, I think I think I'd love to see Let's play more games. I suppose it's Gaelic football. This is all we want to do is, is play as much games as possible. Yeah, because you did see with the division you were in um, just last year, uh, Division 2, I mean, Clare had a chance to go up on the last day and nearly ended up going getting relegated. It was that tight. Yeah, Division 2 was um, It was a good division to be a part of. I think a lot of people were actually quite interested in it because I think Division 1, you know, you've got the few top boys and then everyone's like, yeah, Dublin are going to win it. So, People kind of just maybe don't watch it. Liars. People don't, I suppose, care about it quite as much in, in the greater sense of the country unless you're involved. Um, whereas I think Division 2 was just so competitive. Guys were kind of looking at it, like, what's going on down here? Like, these lads, um, there's teams like, that could get, as you said, get relegated on the last day or go up on the last day. So it was exciting to be a part of. Um, you know, it was, it was my first year back playing football. So to, to be involved in competitive football that was that competitive was really enjoyable. Um, so, yeah, no, it was, I, I, I really the division two this year and um I suppose that kind of strengthened my feeling of kind of thinking, you know, if, if this was marketed in the right way and if it was structured as championship, you know, if we've got all the bells and whistles that the championship format gets moved a little bit later into the year where it's all on the pitches, it's in the summer, the three games in Cole Park. You know, if you're playing in the county grounds even you can have county grounds without ten or fifteen thousand people coming to watch a game. Um and I mean how does that not benefit um, and smaller counties around the country. I mean, if you're telling me that, you know, um, with me, they're going to have, uh, say last year, who like Armagh and Cavan and then uh, Leash back to back in Cusick Park um, over the course of three weeks. Um, and it was our championship structure. Like, I just think it'd be, it'd be brilliant. Like, you'd have, you'd have so much opportunities there in terms of raising money for your, for your um, respective counties. So I, I love it. And, as I said, you get to play more games, which would be even better too. Yeah, I mean, you were close to getting to Division 1. It was kind of, you were just in the middle at the end. Uh, would you be in favour of going up to Division 1? Obviously, some people say that's too soon or it's harmed the development of the team. 
you know, we're not ready yet. Others would say, you know, you have to play the better teams to, to improve as a team. So, like, where would you stand on that? Um, yeah, I'd say what we were, we were quite unlucky not to go up this year in a sense. Um, I think we, we threw two games away a little bit. Um, the game we played against Cavan, we were well on top until maybe, I think they, they really only played for 15 minutes. And it was just blitzkrieg. Like, they just picking all points from everywhere. Um, so we, we kind of let that game slide. And then the Roscommon game was our worst performance of the year, where we really um, just, we didn't really turn up. And it was frustrating because being from Westmead and being from Athlone in particular, um, obviously Athlone is half Westmead, half Roscommon. And I've got schoolmates from Roscommon, you know, so I'm sick of listening to them in a way, like, you know, where you've always been the bigger the bigger fish in town. So that's been a little bit frustrating. So I, I was really looking forward to that game. And then, uh, completely underperformed, which was obviously a bit hard to take. And then Armagh, um, I actually had a, a, a mark from maybe 30 yards out pretty much directly in front of me, and I missed it, which was uh, obviously a big let-off for Armagh. And I thought it caused us the chance to go up. Um, but aside that, uh, do I think that we're ready for Division 1? Um, not quite yet. Went up, we could perform quite well against majority of teams but I would still see us going straight back down and I think in terms of development uh, we probably need to but now this year coming if, if the league was going ahead this year um, under normal circumstances we would have been looking to, to get promoted now this year on the back of kind of like whatever it's a six or seven really really strong performances um, so yeah I think I think if we went up this year it would have been a little bit too early and I think it would have caught us in the hot slightly so I think in terms of development, you want to be as competitive and playing as playing at a level where you're really competitive for as long as you can until you're ready to, to make that step. So, yeah, I think I think another couple of years, um, progressing the way we are, ready for kind of I suppose battling for that Division One now position. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I said going back to Dublin, I mean, he did get Dublin in the the first round of the championship last year, and it. Of course, there was no qualifiers, so it, it was kind of a, a tough one for you. Yeah, I suppose you, you see that fixture, and I think everyone knows then, like, look, this is now just about performance. Let's see if we can perform against them. And, you know, to a certain extent, it's, to a certain extent I think we did. Um, we lost by 11 points in the end, but um, we, look, we look back on that. There's, there's definitely scores that we kind of let slide. Um, that you know we could have done better on, um, and you know we we can see that some scores that we wouldn't really be too happy with, which is look it happens in every game. But you know I think in terms of I think we showed that we're like you know we're not a million miles off being kind of like that next best team in Leinster, um, you know so I say between ourselves, me, Galair, like we're kind of the three of us at the minute are really battling amongst the three amongst ourselves to see who's kind of like best of the rest, I suppose. Um, so yeah, no, played, like when we played them in, in the championship, it was a bit, it was a bit frustrating because you, I suppose you're kind of kind of know what's what's coming in a way. So it's just about trying to keep things tidy and, and um, be as competitive as you can for as long as you can. And I think everyone would say that you know we are to, to a certain extent. Um, you know, we didn't let Dublin score any goals, which is you know the the scoring goals in every game they play. Like up until, I, I can't remember the score in the final, but I know up until the final, uh, the All Ireland final, uh, we were. The, the closest uh, score difference to them, like with 11 points. Um, so, you know, you have to, I suppose you have to look at these things like 
I think little positives out of it, you know, look, we still got back by 11 points, but you know, you can kind of swing that to have a positive outlook too, like so. Yeah, I mean, even the venue thing with, with, with Dublin, like, um, you played them in, in Port Leash, like, could they not even make more effort to, I mean, get in Mullingar? I don't know, was it a floodlight issue or a television? I know it was at seven o'clock, but I don't think Dublin, they played the sort of the neutral venue, if you like, um, the quarterfinals, but they haven't actually gone to a, a county's home ground. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the story of that is. I don't know why we could play it. Well, I suppose one of the reasons about um, Mullingar is the lack of floodlights. So you're not going to have it there at seven o'clock. Um, uh, I, I, as much as I like playing in Crow Park, I'm delighted that we didn't play them there because they're so good. It's yeah. such an open pitch. So I think I think the likes of it, um, uh, say like Tullamore or, or Moore Park kind of like help us in that way because you know we can, um, I suppose, keep things a little bit tighter from that point of view. But yeah, look, I, I, I don't know what the story is with, with fixtures. Um, I don't know. I don't know why Crow Park is sometimes not considered Dublin's home ground when they play ninety-five percent of their games there. Um, you know, like most of their games that they should play in Crow Park, which should probably be in Parnell Park. So, um, I, I don't, I don't understand a lot of that. But uh, yeah, I can't really answer the question as to why, like, we're not going down to like some money and that uh, more often. But um, you never know. It might be. Um, in a strange year, it might go on and something might happen in the next couple of years. Yeah, um, and then obviously from another sport, then AFL, you, you, you played a bit there for a few years. Like, how did this? How did it come about? How did it happen? Did you go on trials or what happened um, to get the call? Anyways, yeah, I, um, I actually had a kind of a, a few good years playing at home, and um, I went up with the international rules squad in 2015. And uh, probably took a lot of confidence out of that from performing um, quite well in all the training games against, I suppose, the, the best players in the country. So um, once that happened, I kind of saw where my game was at. Um, I spoke to, I just had just in, it was kind of a nothing conversation with Colin Begley, just we were in a pool session and he, he was speaking about Australia and his time there. And it started something I'd love to do. I've got a, like a cousin of mine plays professional soccer, one of the best mates, a professional rugby player. Like a, my brother was a professional rugby player, and I suppose professional sport is something that's been in in my family, and so I've seen the kind of the the ins and outs of it, and it was always a dream of mine to be a professional footballer in, in some aspect, and I was never like good enough to do it in like soccer or that, and I obviously can't do it in Gaelic, so this was kind of the best option, um, and I, I played rugby only for about ten, wasn't very good at it, so that was never going to be a, never going to be an option. Uh, so yeah, no, just this opportunity came, and I contacted uh, Tali Canelli just about the um, the combine that happens up in Dublin uh, annually. And from there, I tested quite well, and uh, Ty invited me to join up with the, what's called the AIS Academy, which is a group of eighteen-year-olds um, who are getting ready to be drafted into the AFL next year. So I went and joined up with this academy. They were on a tour of America and I met them in Florida. Myself, Dara Joyce from Kilkenny and Killian McDade from Galway. And we spent two weeks in IMG Academy in Florida, which was a great experience. And we trained and uh, got to meet a lot of kind of AFL recruiters. And I met the St. Kilda recruiter. And um, at the time they were looking for, for kind of fast, kind of tall, fast athletic players. And, my speed was, I suppose, one of my, my strongest suits and it just suited it suited them um, at the time to, to, to bring me over. And 
from there, that was I think January 2016, and I think went over in June 2016 for three weeks and signed a contract then. Um, not long after, moved out in November. So um, it all it all happened quite quickly, and you know, space of kind of six or eight months. It was a good, kind of a good couple of years and a good year kind of leading into it. So, um, no, it was, it was, it was an enjoyable, I suppose, time, time in my life for me. Yeah, well, was it a big decision at all? I mean, it's not like probably going over to the UK as a, maybe a soccer player, for instance. You know, you see nearly Australia is like a whole new world. You're, you feel isolated nearly, You're, the time differences and everything. Like, did you have to con- consider it much or are you saying, I'm going? Um, well, I suppose once the possibility came into my head, once once I knew I was going to go to the combine in Dublin, uh, I kind of had thought about the long term goal. And for me, I wasn't ever going just to kind of do the testing and see like it on. It was more of a case of right, let's try and actually get a career out of this. Um, so no, I I I, had, I thought about all that well in advance, and I knew I suppose the end game was moving to the other side of the world to play the sport. So I was I was quite happy to do it. Um, there wasn't really much much consideration other than kind of I suppose one, one thing I did have to keep in mind is that I was going to be leaving college and whether I went there for two years or I went there for ten years, if I wanted to come back and say finish off my college degree, I was then immediately putting myself behind all my peers. Um which is a little bit frustrating and I suppose now, you know, I'm sitting at my desk here now where I'm doing my lectures and stuff from in U C D and I suppose I'm looking at my friends who are all working and that can be frustrating. But at the same time, it was something I was very aware of when I moved away. That I was kind of I wasn't following the same path as, uh, say, the likes of yourself and others who just go to university after school. Um, so you know, I've, I've kind of delayed I suppose my education kind of four years really, um, which is can be frustrating. You know, thinking Jesus will I ever get a degree? Mm-hmm. Um, no, look, it, it was in terms of uh, sacrificing that for what I actually received over in Australia. You know, it was it was well worth it. Um, Made friends at the best time ever, like playing a sport, looking at the city, and was every way. That kind of like slipped the setback in terms of uh, where I am now, as where I at, at 18, I thought I would at 26, you know? Yeah, and even it's like, what's the difference is really, I mean, we, we I, you see bits and, and pieces of it on YouTube and that, but is it completely different to, to Gaelic football? Is it like hard, obviously the ball is a is a big thing. Like you're learning nearly a brand new sport. Yeah, yeah, you are to be honest. Um I would say the only real similarities in the sport are how dynamic they are and the way uh, I suppose it's a it's a high intensity game that you need to be extremely fit to play and you need to be coordinated in terms of your kind of hand to foot uh, coordination for kicking. Um the biggest the biggest I suppose learning curve for me uh, was kicking the footy. Um, that was I I struggled with that really early on. I remember when I was in America, um, a, a man named Brad Johnson, a legendary footballer over there on a team called the Western Bulldogs. Um, you know he played over three hundred games, like superstar. I remember this guy, you know, like the best of the best, and he's dealing with these eighteen years who are going on to be the best of the best. And then there was like three pasty Irish kids there with him. And the two, Killian and Darren, actually, you know, they, they took the, the kicking quite well over there. I was struggling a little bit. So I remember Brad um, taking me outside and 
teaching me just how to how to hold the ball and then how, how to actually drop it. So I, I walked around the car park um, for hours, literally not kicking the ball, just holding it so that it would drop, land on the point and bounce straight back up. Um, so then you know you're dropping it straight and you kick it straight. So that was that was a big thing for me. That was that was quite difficult to get the hang of. But you know, I kind of got there in the end, and I know it developed quite a good kick after that. Um, then yeah, the, the setups, the shape of the game, the size of the field. Um, it's a little bit more stop start than than Gaelic football, but far far higher intensity. You know, like when you're, when you're running, you're you're running flat out. Um, so you know, it's 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 definitely different. There, there's similarities there, but um, no, I'd say there's more differences now than similarities. Um, and yeah, so to really get a to get a I suppose a feel for how the game flows and, and stuff like that, that was that was quite hard. But you're surrounded by you're surrounded by like top class coaches and top class players, and they, they do help an awful lot. You know, um, whether it be after a, a session, they sit down and look at video of a training session with you, and they talk you through it, or whether it be you're out in the field and you're getting screamed at from someone because you're in the wrong position, and Jesus, you learn you learn very quickly when you. When you've made a mistake out there and there's some kind of reason out of the back of your neck telling you that you've made a ball to something. So, um, no, it's a steep learning curve, but it's an enjoyable one. Yeah, and even training wise compared to the AFL to now Gaelic, inter county Gaelic football, will there be much differences? Obviously, it's a professional sport, AFL, and Gaelic football is obviously amateur, but it has the professional aspects. Like, what training regimes, what, what's the differences? Yeah, I suppose. I suppose is as professional as Gaelic football can be without being a full-time sport. Yeah. Um, there's there's literally probably not another minute that could be dedicated to being a senior to county footballer um, with a with a top county. So from that point of view, you know Gaelic is is flying. Um, but yeah, no, it's still in terms of hours put into it, it's still nothing compared to um, to what happens in Australia or in other professional sports. Um, you know. Purely because you you actually get paid to be there and you you know you, you have time to, to uh, commit to the sport because it's your job. So like you'd arrive into you might arrive into training at seven in the morning to do a weight session and you'd have like your breakfast and stuff at the club and you know that brings you up to about nine o'clock for your first team meeting and then from the team meeting you might break into backs forwards and midfielders. You have another meeting and then you'll go down and start getting training, which might be you know movement prep, um, warming up on the bike you do some band work you do some mobility work get your ankle straps see your physio if you have to and then you're in the field for maybe two two three hours depending on the time of year you're back in for food for another weight session or a maybe a cross training session which might be you know boxing or swimming or, or bike so your day your day is full like so like you know you get in at seven and often days you don't leave till kind of five or six so it's a long day it's really tiring but um yeah, in terms of like the, the county Gaelic scene and the AFL scene, so, um, Gaelic is as close as it can get. The time that goes into a professional sport, no matter what it is, is, um, is an awful lot more than what guys who, who haven't ever been involved would um, think it is. Yeah, would it be a disappointment that it didn't quite last, but probably longer than you thought, or, or looking back on it, what would be your thoughts on your, the whole experience in Australia? Absolutely. I mean, like no more than when I went for the trials, I wanted to make a career out of it. So when I moved over there, I wanted to play games in the AFL. Fortunately, I only played VFL and football 
So no, definitely, definitely a disappointment in that, in that point of view. I think I, I said it before in history that I wouldn't consider it a full success if I never played AFL and I didn't. So from that, from that aspect, I, I definitely am disappointed. Um, I, I certainly believe um, that I was that I was good enough to play, and um, I think if things worked out differently with the club I was at, um, I could have played some AFL football, which is a bit of a shame. But you know, like that's just professional sport too. Like you, these chances come your way and you take them, and but sometimes they don't. And, there's nothing you can do from that point of view. I just, I'd be very happy with that with myself in terms of that. I, I know I gave kind of everything to it. Like I don't have any regrets in terms of did I let myself down in any, in any way? No, I, I don't believe so. So that's that's kind of a nice, I suppose, like it's a nice way to be able to live with yourself thinking, you know, you gave that the best shot you could and it just didn't work out. So from that point of view, I'm fine. I've no, I've no real regrets. Um, but yeah, no, it was um, it was definitely all all very positive. Um, I, I probably would have liked another another couple of years out there, maybe. Like if I if I got four kind of four or five years, that would have been the ideal um, the ideal for me, you know. Especially at my age, I would have always wanted to come home. So if I got to kind of you know twenty six, twenty seven, I would have been through. As I said, professional sport, and if, um, if things aren't working out, you just you get shown the door very quickly, which is um, which is a bit of a shame. But what can you do? Yeah, and I mean, looking ahead, ahead to 2021, um, do we don't know when the, the actual the football will start, maybe um, April, May time with the, with the league. I mean, what is the aim this year? Probably with Division 2, you're back in there and maybe avoid Dublin in the, the Leinster Championship. Yeah, um, well, I suppose it depends now. As I said, there is talk at the minute um, of what's going to happen with the format yeah. of the championship structure. So if that changes, the league could end up getting scrapped or something. So we don't, we don't really know how things are going to work out yet. Um, if you were to ask me this in a normal year and under normal conditions, I would say the goal for Westmead is to, at the very minimum, retain Division 2 status. And, you know, like we would be expecting to be pushing for promotion. Um, so that would be what we'd be thinking on it from normal league campaign now this time of year. Uh, and then for championship, yeah, I suppose avoid Dublin for as long as you can. And uh, you know, it's, and and even at that, just you just want to for championship, you just want to be um, you want to perform well. And I think for a team like Westmead, where you know we're no we're not world beaters, we're kind of like I suppose a promising team with like a bit of potential. Uh, we we would just from our own point of view, we want to uh, make sure that we're consistent and that our performances kind of reflect our talent and our ability. Um, so we'd like we'd like our core games to to improve so that our, our level our, our worst level is kind of like it's not down here it's a little bit higher mm. and then our, our our best you know is still up here so we just want to become more consistent and I think that's what kind of all um that's what all kind of you know Division Two and kind of those kind of upcoming teams are really aiming for it's just consistency and performances. And brilliant, Ray. Thanks very much for for coming on and uh, best of luck with the year ahead. No worries, thanks, Mimi.